uh, weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So, it doesn't say the weapon of our warfare. It says the weapons, more than one, weapons of our warfare are not worldly. We can't use worldly weapons against spiritual demons, but mighty in God are pulling down of strongholds. All right, so most Christians do not realize they're in a spiritual war. As I said before, I've never seen so many believers completely ignorant of our age-old enemy, the devil, or his cohorts, the demons. We have not understood that God has given us armor, shields, and short swords to resist the devil and his works here on earth and to be overcomers and victorious soldiers. We've spoken about we've got to endure hardness and, you, and, and we're going to war. We, we don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. We are warned, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the ways of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Martin Luther wrote his great song, A Mighty Fortress. Um, you can just see the spiritual significance of it. You know, this is a man standing up against the Catholic, might of the Catholic Church. You know what I mean? And bringing the Protestant Reformation. And uh, I just love the words of this one because it's a, it actually, our Christians today don't know this. A mighty fortress is our God. Didn't say God's a love bunny, you know what I mean? And we can go and be sweetie pie. He calls God a mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing. A helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Mortals death, death things, you know? He helps us in the flood of mortal uh, death and dying and sicknesses and attacks prevailing. Now, he shows us something about the devil. He says, still our ancient foe does seek to work us well. Our ancient foe, for those who don't understand the old English, you know, is our ancient enemy that seeks to work us harm. He says, still our ancient foe does seek to work us well. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Mm. You know, I watch these people, they treat the devil like a joke. You know? But Martin Luther didn't know he knew that, not so. You know, this archangel, he, on earth is not his equal. You know? Did we in our own strength confide, his, in his song he says, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God owns choosing. Dost off whom that may be, Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Sabbath is named from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. You know, we cannot face these devils in your own flesh. You know, and you think the devil, some Mickey Mouse little joke, and a thing with little horns on, is, you have no idea what you're talking about. On earth is not his equal. You know, so we need Christ in his name. Never do I speak in my own name. Yeah. You know? When I say in the name of Jesus, then the Jesus that he sees is not Jesus walking around with long hair, handing out fishes to the people. It's Revelations 1 Jesus. Out of his mouth is a sword, eyes like flaming fire, hair as white as wool. You know? He's sound on many waters. That's who he sees now when we say in the name of Jesus. We need Christ to deliver us in, under these circumstances. And he says this in, a, in one of his other verses. He says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. And you don't even hear this teaching. Because this world is filled with devils. They're not behind every bush. But they are here. We will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. Now listen to this very, I love this, you know, you know. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word should fill him. His rage we can, we can take it. We can take the hard things that are coming. If we know we're on God's side, we've prayed about it, we've rebuked the devil, but still the rage is on us, we can endure. You know, and we're going to overcome it no matter what. 
We're going to be here. If it's a one week, two weeks, we will endure it. You know what I mean? No matter what. And we will come through in victory. So Martin Luther knew about the ways of the devil and that we are in a war. So, that you may be able to stand against the ways of the devil, the wiles of the devil. Wiles mean a trick or strategy intended to ensnare or deceive. You know, so he can't take us straight on and we'll see him. And we'll call Jesus. He doesn't actually want that. So he'll ensnare you or deceive you. You know what I mean? That's what he'll do. And that's what they always do. Um, try and make you feel sorry for yourself. You're going through such, isn't it so terrible? All these little things you're going through, you know? It was much better when you weren't a Christian. How many Christians I heard say that? I promise you not, kid you not. My life was much better when I wasn't a Christian. They will tell him, oh, it's sweetie pie. Come to the pit with me. <laughs> so God has provided us with weapons today to defeat the devil and demons. And I've learned, and, and we have learned as the human race to use different weapons for different demons. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness in high places. Four levels of the kingdom of darkness. Principalities, lower demons, which can include trolls, goblins, fairies, gnomes, uh, um, and all those little creatures that your children are watching their videos, uh, Shrek the troll, and that these are the lowest ranking demons and they exist. Ask any Satanist who travel in the astral realm for the sign of the witch on the broomstick is astral travel. They know they exist. You put that little gnome there in your garden at the bottom there, and you can have a little visitor in your house for your kids. You know what I mean? These fairies are not God's creatures. They are demonic creatures. They live in out-of-the-way places in fairy glens, and they mean evil for the human race. They do the work of the darkness. Not to have fairy things in your house. You know what I mean? Because you invite... I remember when my kids were small, we were in a bookshop, and... Um, uh, we were looking at books and there was a book there written by an unsaved guy on fairies. So I, I looked at it. I called my girls. I said, I'm going to show you. This is what this guy saw in this book. These things have got teeth. Mm. They look utterly demonic. And they all got different names. And I kid you not, with the name of the one goblin in this thing, he stands there like this is a terrifying looking creature. He's got a snare. And what's his name? Underneath it, that this answer, the fowler. What does Psalm 91 say? He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. It's a blinking demon. You know, and I said, this is what fairies actually look like. You know? And we are, you shouldn't let our children watch this kind of stuff, you know? Powers are high ranking demons that oversee lower ranks, rule over suburbs and cities and things like this. Strong men over Cape Town. There's strong men over Tableview, where I live. There's strong men over Rondebosch. You know, they have units that work underneath them. They work, they darkness. You know, they control the money. They control the power. They control everything that's going on on earth here, the music. You can't become any, you can't become a great musician without the devil's okay. The Lucian Trust uh, uh, covers music in America. They cover everyday rulers here on earth, small g, God of this world. And they rule, you are going to deal with a different set of hawkers here than we will deal with where we are. You know what I mean? So they are lower ranks and rule over suburbs. Rulers of darkness are higher ranked demons, unclean birds, the Bible speaks of. And they're huge demons that rule over principalities and cities. There's a command in chief, I forget his name, uh, intercessors once told his name of Cape Town. But there's a, a high-ranking demon that rules Cape Town that's responsible to the devil for Cape Town. You know, that knows all the churches, all the Christians in this area, in Cape Town. And his armies and his group operate where they are, doing the world of darkness. I remember a Satanist saying that when you hear the barking of dogs going through your town, one after the other, it's a dark, it's a dark army, like an orc army moving through your town. And the dogs pick it up. And you hear them barking from one side of the town to the other, like as these things are moving through, to go and do whatever work they have to do. I believe UFOs are in this character, category and are demonic forces that serve the devil. They're not 
living on another planet. They are spawn of Satan. They even look like it. They've got bug eyes and flippers. And our, our children are wearing their faces on, their, on themselves. They are dark forces. They're always capturing people and torturing them and drilling into their eyes and their stomachs. What does that sound like? They are dark forces. And to say that there is no UFOs is crazy. Millions of people have had encounters of the fifth kind across the country. These are demonic forces. I read a thing of a Christian once who had an experience with these things and she shouldn't have spoken because they're familiar spirits but said, do you know Jesus? And they said, we know him, we don't serve him and they left. You know what I mean? So they are dark forces. Spiritual wickedness in high places, Lucifer, Beelzebub, high-ranking generals, they command the armies of the world which are well run and organized. You know what I mean? Don't think that these guys are not organized. You can see the madness in the world. Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. You know, he, they're little flies this size where I can have 6,000 demons in it. We often pray for a Christian for a spirit of nicotine. They've tried everything. They've tried everything to stop it. They can't. They're Christians. They love the Lord. They can't stop it. When we pray for them, it comes out like their throat. You can see it. It actually sometimes comes like this through their throat like this. And then they scoff it, and the whole room stinks of nicotine. And it's free. Not all addictions are demons. Sometimes it's flesh, you've got to deal with that. But I'm saying, these are the flies. Beelzebub, little demons that attach themselves to you. Little addictions, open the door for another one. They can live in your diaphragm, even, they tell you. You know what I mean? So... That's where this high-ranking demons, they control the money of the world. They're always where the money is in the world. New York boasted that the devil was over their world. One stage. And I wouldn't be surprised because if that's where the money is controlling it, that's where Satan's it. You see in uh, Ezekiel, a snapshot, God says, um, you know, go speak to the king of Tyre. And the prophet goes, and there's the king sitting there, and he talks to him, but he's not talking to him, he says... O Lucifer, son of the morning, speaking to the devil sitting behind the throne. You in the Garden of Eden, every precious stone was a covenant. The king must have thought he was crazy. But he wasn't talking to him. He was talking to the real king on the throne of Tyre, which was the main city of the world at that time. All right, so we are against all these organizations, and that's what Christians... It's why one church has no power to bring a city to revival. We don't have that authority. You don't have that uh, area. You don't have that. You've got to have all the churches have got to come together in unity. And then we have the power to drive the stinking devil from the city. You know what I mean? And bring revival into our city. While we're in disunity in that, we are not one. You have only area of authority is the area which your church is in and the people you are. Unity would absolutely make an impact. I remember in Bogota, they were... Um, uh, She's a Castellanus, and they were trying to bring revival by getting all the churches together, and the churches wouldn't. They were fighting with each other all the time. They couldn't unite the churches until the gang shot one of the top um, pastors. You know? The gang shot one of the pastors in the street, and he was well known by all the other, the other pastors, freaked out. And then they called a meeting into the city, into the biggest stadium, and they packed it out, and they united, and revival blew through the city. You know what I mean? We've got to unite to fight against the larger devils of these, these worlds. You know? Alright, so some weapons that the God has given us against this filthy horde that seeks, seeks only to steal, kill and destroy us. And I want to tell you something, you know, the devils aren't worried about most people. They already go now. They're not worried about most Christians. They're totally ineffective. They don't care about you. I read an instance where the devil has appeared to a number of pastors in this world and said to them, in human form, and said to them, I will give you people, wealth, huge church, but don't touch my kingdom. You can have as many born-again people as you want. I don't worry. But don't touch my kingdom. Don't knock him out of the money and the power and, and, and drive his forces out of the areas that you're in. And apparently this pastor was telling me, lots of pastors have taken that. They didn't sell their soul, they think they haven't. But they agreed to. 
so they don't attack. Why do we not see spiritual? We can't even find deliverance ministers anymore. They're gone. Yeah. What happened to the prayer groups in the churches? They're gone. You see, they've been taken down. It's terrible. Okay, so first weapon, the word of God. The rock we stand upon, our secure foundation. We see this incredible encounter between Jesus and Satan. Matthew 4, 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then, so we're getting a snapshot into a spiritual encounter with the devil. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he's quoting the Bible, He shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So Jesus says to them, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see a clash, devil, the master theologians using the word of God. Verse 4, Jesus said to him, shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up into exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. It's impossible to fight against Satan and his demons without the word of God, being your rock that you can stand on. There's no easy way to it. There's no easy way to um, becoming a warrior for Christ and that unless the Bible is your absolute authority and the rock on which you stand, which is Jesus Christ himself. No man, of, every man of God will tell you that right through the centuries. And your one chapter a day is not going to do it. You know, God told Joshua, meditate in my word day and night. How much of the Bible should you read? Day and night. And they, I don't think they faced what we face. So how much should we read the Bible? Day and night. Take it to work with you. Put it in your car. Some scriptures. You know what I mean? Just keep, when you take off at lunchtime, go read your word. Now lots of cults know the Bible off by heart and quote scriptures like the Jehovah's Witnesses will tear most Christians apart in two seconds. Using the word of God. The devil. He's using the word of God. They'll say it is written, and you will have to answer it is written. <coughs> so if you've got a Jehovah's Witness problem in your area, you need to go and do research on how to answer them it is written. Or else you're not going to prevail against them. You know, you have to train yourself to be able to answer these demons correctly, or you will lose the battle. So we have to learn to wield the sword correctly, or we will not be successful. This particular weapon of our warfare. I was doing an outreach in the hell holes of Sri Lanka and Trincomalee, and we'd been witnessing all night to Buddhists and to Hindus. Um, that's another story in itself, but it was hectic, you know what I mean? It was dangerous and hectic, you know? Um, nobody told us there'd been a war in the area, and the troops were there, around there, and it was quite hectic, you know? But we had immense success. So everybody we prayed for, both from the Hindu house and from the Buddhist house, all gave their lives to Christ. You know, now it's a dark land. Uh, the, they are, it's absolutely, I don't even want to go back there unless the Lord sends me, honestly, you know. It's a terrible place, you know. And anyway, so I, they, I went back to the hotel that night and tried to fall asleep, you know. Um, we were on the beach, but there was a boat stuck in the sand from the uh, tsunami already that it hit. That, I mean, this place had seen war, devastation, poverty, unimaginable. I saw people mad from poverty in that area. You know what I mean? Anyway, so... I go up to my hotel room and, and um, I close the doors alone there and um, I try to fall asleep. And there's a temple down the road, these stinking temples, you know. They don't, the music's not in harmony, you know, it's so devilish as it is. It goes bang, ding, ding, click. Drives you absolutely crazy, you know what I mean? You think, how can these people even listen to this? Whole night, you know, bong, bong, tinkle, tinkle, smash. You know, anyway, I fell into a restless sleep. As I fell asleep, I was immediately in a dream or vision. I didn't have many dreams and visions in my life. You know what I mean? But immediately it was like daylight. I was outside the, um, um, the hotel at the bottom of the stairs. And I was looking through my eyes. I could see the stairs, but I knew that's not me that I'm looking through these eyes. And I, I realized it's something demonic, you know. 
And I saw it start moving up the stairs. So we're going up the stairs, turn, go up the stairs, and I know it's going to the third level where I am. Up the stairs, we're on the three. I see three. He looks at three. I see three level. I'm sleeping. He walks down, and I know he's coming to my room. Walks down, 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 down. Stops at my door. I see with my own eyes the number of my door. Okay? I'm fast asleep inside there, cooling off. And he walks through my door. As he does that, I wake up in the bed. I wake up from this dream, and I feel the presence of hell in this room. Some filthy Sri Lankan demon here of horrific proportions, you know. I can feel all the hairs on my back, and it went up, you know. I was standing up here, you know. And I put my lights on, you can't see it because it's, it's not, but I can feel everything standing, all my hairs. So I try normal spiritual, we've cast out lots of demons in our life and that, you know what I mean? But I try all the old methods, you know, in Jesus' name, get out, you know, plead the blood of Jesus, get out in Jesus. But this thing's not budging, you know, and I feel this presence. It's like the beginning of this ministry. We've obviously turned the city upside down now with these cockles, you know, and um, uh, in the end, I just took my Bible, you know, because I know to do that, the next weapon. I take it and I start reading him scriptures about uh, Jesus said, in my name you'll cast out devils. I'm finding every scripture I can about casting out devils. Luke 10, everything. I'm just reading it to him loudly, you know, and this thing's staying, you know, it's not going, you know. Um, I'm just reading, reading, I read in Revelations about the future of the devil and what's going to happen to him, you know, because they hate that demons if you reach that day going to hell and the lake of fire, you know. And I was reading all that and I'm reading and reading and then my hairs went down and the thing was gone. So I tried everything else. And now, if, I, if I tried what I'd been trying, it didn't work for some reason. But when I read the Word of God loudly and openly, and I walked up and down next to my bed like I was reading it, you know what I mean, until this thing left. Reading the Word of God. Reading it to Him. You know? And I didn't want to go to sleep then, you know? <laughs> but I can't show fear because I know the enemy feeds on that. <laughs> So I get in my bed, I look at my light, I scare I will switch this light out here now. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I, I can't show cowardice in the face of the enemy. I put it, I, I did put my blanket over my head and I did fall asleep. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is that, you know, that the right weapon, I wrote in uh, Psalm 91, I read it to him, you know what I mean? Whatever I could find that had anything to do with spiritual warfare, I read it openly to this thing. And he must have understood English and decided this is now time to leave. Okay, so you've got to read the Word of God. You know, you've got to. I'm telling you something. When I was a younger Christian, I read about what I'm telling you about reading the Word of God. And I read five to ten, sometimes 20 chapters a day for years. And it built faith in me. I didn't study it. Sometimes I could, even today, I know where the scripture is and not always know the scripture because I read it. I know which page it was on and where it was on the page. You know what I mean? Just from reading it, letting it wash over you. You know what I mean? And learning it's obviously as good, but you understand what I'm saying? You know, that reading of God's word has incredible power. Number two, weapon, name of Jesus. Therefore God has also highly exalted and have given him the name which is above an, every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those underneath the earth. Whatever fouler things lie in the center of the earth, the name of Jesus can deal with it. Mark 16, 15, he said, Go in the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes in his baptized shall be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. These signs will follow them that will believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, if they drink anything deadly, it will no means hurt them, they'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to him, he received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. We've got to have an answer to the world's problems. I know some people are cessationists or whatever, and that's not, I'm not going to get into that argument. But I want to tell you there's a broken world out here and unless you pray for the power of God in these people, so they're not going to get sick. Yeah. You're not going to be able to help. I don't promise anybody anything if I pray for them for sick, they're being sick. I'll pray for them in faith. I don't promise them anything. I don't say, you are going to get healed, brother. Yeah. You know, I just say, can I pray for you? And then I pray with authority and power. And they don't know the difference. But I tell you something, we've seen remarkable healings. In COVID, 
I think people sitting here that have been healed instantly will go. I don't I just pray I'm the vessel in Jesus' name. If he's going through heaviness, I will cast that thing out in Jesus. He doesn't even know what I'm saying to him. You know, they don't expect anything, they're just happy that you pray for them. But we pray aggressively and for greater things and for healing and for setting free and for divorce that they'll be reconciled to their husbands and wives. We pray aggressively and expecting God's word to take root in these people's lives. And when we do that, we see many things. Not always. Pray for people and get you. Um, didn't promise them anything for whatever reason. They didn't. That's not my business. Mine's just to do the work. One day, we, um, years back, we were uh, working somewhere with another Christian guy and we came from the school and we heard screaming of somebody screaming, a woman screaming so loud. We thought she was getting killed. We were like, hey, where's this woman? What's going on? We came around the corner by Mill Park there in Milneton and uh, there was a shop there and there was a, a crowd standing there and we pulled over to the side. This woman was standing there screaming to God, God help me, like this, you know. And we stopped, pulled over and I saw a card written over a child. The, the car was on the child. The woman driving was frozen by, and everybody was like frozen. So they started to push the car off the boy. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a chance here. I'm just going to go and pray for this guy. What a, what a, you know, what's, ask God to help this boy, you know. He was completely lonely, he looked dead. I don't know if he was dead. Okay. Jumped off, ran down to him. I put my, this woman screaming ahead of I put my hands in it, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal this boy, in Jesus' name. And I said, Jesus, she stopped screaming. And started looking what was going on down here. You know what I mean? I prayed for him. I stepped up. They came. They picked him up. They probably shouldn't have. Took him to a car around the corner there. We followed, me and uh, John uh, Rattigan. We followed there. And then the child woke up and started crying and moving. I thought, okay, well, he's okay. And we left. We didn't oh, say anything to anybody. They appeared in the local newspaper a couple of days later, thanking the guys that prayed for the son. He was completely ill. Nothing, not a broken bone, nothing. And they became Christians. And they said it was a guy who had a Jesus' name on his bucky. But I had a tape, a worship tape of Jesus lying in my front window. That's all they saw. You don't know what God will do. But why don't we pray for these people? We've got the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead within us. You know what I mean? You know, we've got to be active. We have the solutions to people's problems. We are the state of the art fighter plans. And we have Jesus' name. You know, I use the name of Jesus all the time. What a weapon God has given us to wield. A man of God said he once had a dream and in his dream he saw this huge demon in front of him, you know, in his ministry and that he was struggling, you know. And he saw this and he, he tried to rebuke the demon in Jesus' name, but it said it only sounded like a little squeak. Jesus! And the demon like, looked at him and what are you talking about? And he carried on and he carried on, you know. And he said, as he tried it more and more, in Jesus' name, go. He said it started to sound louder and still it was like a thunderclap. And he said, the more he said it, the smaller the demon got. Until it was only a tiny thing and ran out the room. Mm. You know? That's Jesus' name, I tell you, it's the most incredible thing. So we have to learn to use this mighty weapon. Sometimes you'll be talking to somebody and you're not dealing with fishermen, and they're screaming at your face or telling you something, just rebuke that devil straight in his face. You're not dealing with fishermen. Just say to I bind that devil in you in Jesus' name right now, be still. He doesn't even hear what you're saying, I promise you. Because it's a devil talking through. Yeah, you can't do that. In Jesus' name, I bind that devil within and command you to be still. He doesn't hear it. He goes, hana, hana, hana. and he doesn't know what he's doing there, actually. I must go now, he says, or something. Or he sits and listens. We, we take so much junk. You know what I mean? You're not dealing with flesh and blood and you're trying to argue with this guy. But you're not dealing with flesh and blood. That's a stinking ho-ho in him that's telling you stuff. And won't let him shut up. He's, he's not in control of himself. You know what I mean? So, you know, we must use the power of Jesus' name. It's to work like a bomb in prison. I've got all these loon tunes. Manifesting. You know? <laughs> Just say, listen, bro, in the name of Jesus, I bind that devil in. He doesn't hear you. It's the funniest thing. The Oka Shati doesn't hear what you said at all. He just goes, <laughs> 
And then now, because the thing's gone now, he doesn't know what he's actually doing yet. Now you've got a good chance to talk to the human, and you've got a good chance of winning him to the Lord, or he says, listen, I, I, I need to go now, actually. It feels uncomfortable, you know? That's what funny. So what nonsense do we put up with? Uh, I'll tell you something. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Um, not long ago, I was on my way home, and uh, um, one of the guys in our church said, please, can I come pray for this British oak in his house? He's got, um, he, he's, um, you know, he's not doing well, and he's, he's uh, wanted to kill himself and everything. And I don't really want to go. I don't know these people, you know what I mean? I, we're so busy with other stuff, you know, in our own church. Anyway, so Lawrence and I uh, was one of my elders in those days. We were, he was my electrician as well. We were coming back from a site and we were going past the Oaks house. I said, let's just drop in here and pray for the Oaks house. You know, he asked us. Mornay asked us to come. So we go there, we stop, we say to Mornay, is he here? Yeah, he's here. We go talk to this guy. I explain to him about the Lord. He gets actually radically saved. You know, he cries, pulls the tears on the floor. So anyway, we're going to pray for him and go now, you know, giving him literature, tell him to come to church, whatever. I put my hand on him and I, and I say a stupid thing, which I should have thought better about. I said, um, in the name of Jesus, I command the devil to leave this man. Just generally pray. <laughs> Minding my own business. I want to go home now. You know? Prove. That, this ignited something in this home. He stood up and roared like a lion. Like this, you know? His face changed into a demon's face, and he, it was a death demon. I recognize the story. That's what's why he's been trying to kill himself. This thing has been trying to kill him, you know. So we know how to deal with this. So I carried on rebuking me and Lawrence. I looked and I saw Mornay sitting terrified in the corner, but he was like, what is going on here, you know. And in the end, this thing came out of him, this, this roaring thing came out of him. And then he started coughing uncontrollably and we're just praying for him. It's the flies are coming, you see, that are attached to the main dead, the little demons. So I said to Monica, get a bucket. This person probably vomit all over the place or something. And anyway, you're praying, praying, say, cough till he can't cough anymore. Uh -huh. So he stands up and the devil picks him up eh, and throws him into his seat and tears him like the Bible says. Eh? Like this, you know, completely tears him apart, you know. And uh, it stops, and then he stopped. And then I went to the guy, I remember the Bible, go and pick up his hand, and I pick up his hand, and I call him back. It's all gone now, he said, peace. And he wakes up and he says, who are you guys? What's happened to me? Something happened to me, he said. You know, he didn't even know what happened to him. You know? And then we had to sit down and explain to him what happened. And he just said, I'm so tired, I just need to go sleep, you know. And he slept for four hours, uh, Mornay told me, you know. But that, you're just not expecting it, you see. We're just minding our own business, traveling through, and then you have this thing come out. You've got to be ready. You've got to be the state of the art fighter plane that God can deploy you into a situation and know you're going to handle it. And not run out with everybody else out the house. Okay. Three, praise. We have a, I need to deal with this now. I know my time's marching. We have a major problem in the church and the world with depression. Anxiety and fear. Wow, it's just exhausting that we are seeing this, you know. Many Christians are diagnosed with bipolar and different forms of depression. Now, I'm not saying they don't have it. It's a reality to them. Do you understand? Most live on pills. I kid you not. We are seeing these people. An upper to lift you down, a downer to bring you down, and one to keep you in the middle. I kid you not. That's what the person told me. They sit there quibbling like this. They're on so many drugs. You know what I mean? You know, oh, my medication's not right. I have to go and have a tree change. It's, it's jaw-dropping. Christians, you know? It leaves people a wreck. Depression, oppression, and suppression are the weapons of the enemy to discourage and destroy Christians and people in the world. It's his greatest weapons, and they're working like a bomb. People say, I'm sick and my hormones are not right or I have a chemical imbalance, so I have depression. In the East, shamans easily manipulate your aura to make you well or sick. In fact, when you go to one of these horrors, they see your aura and they can see which part is sick and they can tell you which part of your body is sick. And then using demonic power, they manipulate your aura and then you feel better. And you think you've got something and you go home with another devil that came home with you. You got released from that devil and they give you another one to go home with. You know what I mean? So it's the easiest thing in the occults 
Do you think devils cannot manipulate you and your aura so that you have a chemical imbalance, that you are sick, that you are... It's the easiest thing in the world in the East. And here our Christians say, you know, I've been diagnosed now and I'm, I'm, I just have to accept this terrible thing in my life. It's terrible. I'm telling you, you cannot believe the amount of people that we are seeing in this state, you know. And you can't talk to them, man. They don't want to fight. They don't want to do it God's way. They don't want to go to the Word of God. They don't want to pray. They don't want to do, they don't want to do it. It's too hard work. It's easier just to take a poll. A friend of mine is a, like a jelly now. He used to be a worship leader. He's a giant of a man. He's like a jelly. He's like lost completely. Taking pills and living on them, you know. Anyway, so, you know, we've got to wake up. As I said, in satanic comas, demons use cancer to discipline errant members and remove the cancer when they pay instantly. Think the devils can't do that to us. Did Lord, not the Lord say in Isaiah 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. When we belong to Christ, the enemy never has the final word of our lives. We are secure in God's hands. Press on, courageous and free, never being held back by defeat, fear or defeats. The battle belongs to the Lord and he has the final victory. If you don't believe devil, devils can call depression, 1 Samuel 16 verse 4. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul in a distressing spirit, Troubled him. It says in other versions, they get troubling spirits. <coughs> it's troubled him, you know. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing, distressing spirit from the Lord is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he'll play with his hand, and when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of the servants asked and said, Look, I've seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, handsome in person, the Lord is with him. And so it was, whenever the Spirit was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart. How did they get rid of it? Praise. A major weapon against oppression is praise. Isaiah 61 verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I used to get a very black depression. I knew depression from when I was young. Uh, you know, I had a, a bad upbringing or whatever. Long story. But, you know, I knew that darkness, you know, that spirit of darkness. When I, I tell people, when I saw that Bruce Lee movie, and because we were all into Bruce Lee in those days, and how he died, and that samurai warrior that used to meet him in his dreams, yeah. I knew it. I know that's, that, maybe not that samurai, but it's that demon that's against me, you know, in my life. Always trying to bring me down, bringing spirits of heaviness upon me, and I had no power against it, like Bruce Lee didn't either, and he died. You know, because of it, you know. Then I learned what I was teaching you now, that the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we have a weapon against the spirit of heaviness. I was so excited about that because I'm sick and tired of it. You know what I mean? Coming on my life and making me, you can't get out of bed in the mornings and, and this kind of thing, you know. And it was not long, I, I waited to try it out, you know, so I'm going to try this out next time it happens to me. And it was a week or two went by and it's not long before I woke up one day and that cloud was upon me. I was so heavy. I couldn't, I felt so dark. And then the whole world's the end of the world. You know what I mean? And my life's terrible. Well, it was terrible because I was in prison. But you know what I mean? <laughs> not getting out of bed's not going to help you when the waters come. See, the baton squad comes and helps you out of bed. You know? So you know, I, I'm lying there and I, and I remember now this weapon. So I think I'm going to try. So I start singing, but I can't remember any songs. So I don't know any songs. So I thought, Jesus loves me. That's all I could remember. From my, see Sunday school as a good, you know, has some kind of outworking in your life. You know? I said, Jesus loves me. I'm trying to sing, but I can't. I can't even get the words out. Jesus loves me. Nothing. Jesus loves me. There's no, and I can't even sing, but I, I'm determined. I carry on a couple of, I feel something move on me. It goes, I think, no way it's real. No flippin' ways. What was that? 
I want to tell you, when you're going to go try this, you're going to feel exactly the same thing. Felt and moved. And then I started singing more and more and more and more and louder and louder. And it broke off me like, a, like, a, like chains. Bah! And I felt the glory of God come in. I learned something that day. And I've used it ever since in my life. You know, so it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you know. Praise, it must be praise songs. That's what we've learned as well. You can't use worship songs for this particular weapon. And praise songs are about God. Worship is to God. Praise is, op praise is opening up. Worship is entering in. Praise is boldly declaring. Worship is humbling, buying in the presence of the Holy God. You, you get a, a CD of, worship, of praise songs and sing with them. I do it all the time. I'm, I've always got a Christian music playing in my car. I'm always singing from side to side. If I feel bad, I pull over. If things are going wrong, even my phones are starting to ring, this is happening, this is happening. I pull over, I switch my uh, phone off, I put on my music and I'll sing, take out my Bible and I'll sing praise songs and, and you feel better almost immediately. Switch on my phone again, go, I feel fine, I'm back in the spirit, I'm ready for whatever's coming. Go, sort it out, never a problem, never was a problem. If you don't use this weapon, you're going to be overwhelmed. Prepare for it, get praise songs, get them ready, learn songs if you must. You know what I mean? Doesn't the Bible say God surrounds us with songs of deliverance? Yeah. I love that. In the army, you sing when you die. You know what I mean? Always singing. You know what I mean? You always have to sing. You know, you're on a, uh, a 20 mile uh, run or something, you're all running in your squads and everybody's down and one lone singer will sing, Hadi Yen, Hadi Ho, 64 men sing that. It's, it's quite a picture of immediately. You know? The world knows how to do it. Terrifying for our enemies. When we in the trenches and you hear those lone voices coming up, Hadi Yen, Hadi Ho, we're getting bombed and the incoming, we're coming for you now. And then 64 men sing like that. It's actually terrifying. How much more in God's kingdom? We used to run through the streets of Bloemfontein, you know, at Luapas and the running with our jumper boots. So every, you can hear us coming from a kilometer away through the city, you know. But then you hear that lone singer sing, and 64 men. It actually puts the hairs up on your arms. Why can't we do that? We can do that. We are Christians. God has given you weapons, handed them out to us. Deal with the dead, uh, spirit of depression, anxiety, fear. Sing until you feel better. All right, so the next weapon, fasting. Isaiah 58 verse 1, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They asked of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, God says you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. You know, so I see a lot of people fasting, getting nowhere. I've watched Oaks do 22 day fasts and he's still smoking the whole time. You know what I mean? I've seen all kinds of fasts and people get nowhere because they're fasting for the wrong reasons. You've got to fast for God's reasons. So God says, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and you exploit all your laborers. Uh, verse 4, indeed you fast for strife and debates. You're arguing about junk and I'm not going to answer you, the Lord says. You're coming here with your stinking fast and you're playing a three-day fast and it's actually you just got hungry, that's all. You're just wasting my time. Okay? Um, they say... Uh, all right, so where am I? I lost my place. There's strife, for, strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on I, God says to us. You know? Is it a fast I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to buy his head like a bulrush, to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So a lot of these Jews were getting hungry for nothing. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, God says. Listen carefully. To loose the bonds of wickedness. That pawn you can't break. That habit you can't go through. That smoking you can't stop. That swearing you can't do. 
Is this not the reason God says that the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Okay? To undo the heavy burdens. When you can't break through on that depression. Now you fast about that. And you, you, you don't. You go to work. You wash. You do normal things. You know? To let the oppressed go free. That you can fast for somebody else who's oppressed. And, and, and he's not winning their war. We can fast for that. We can say, Lord, we are praying for so-and-so today. All day you're thinking about, you're quoting scripture for them. You're praying for them. And that you break every yoke, God says, that the enemy puts upon you. There isn't a single yoke, any yoke that you have from the enemy that you can't stop doing. God says the fast he's chosen is for you to do that. Now we'll get somewhere with our fasting. We go to the Lord to that. Isaiah 58 verse 7 also, he says, because we've got to add this to our fasting now, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? So if you're going to do a meal or two, why don't you give that food you're going to eat to the hungry? You know, because God said so. Is it not to share your bread to the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor cast out. Why don't you spend your day doing something for the poor? When you see the naked that you cover in and you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. You know, so fasting is a lot more than just praying. It's doing something else as well. Then, God says, your light shall break forth as the morning. So you're in deep darkness. What will happen if you fast like God says? Your light will break forth in the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. That healing that you've been seeking God for for so long. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. In other words, you'll come out of that fast and you'll be blessed out your socks. You know what I mean? Because you have done it the right way. And verse 9, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Because you've been praying for something, it's just the heavens are brass. But now you do this right, you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry. He will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of finger and speaking wickedness. So we spend our fast day turning, repenting of our sins, you know what I mean, in that attitude. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. Just love all these promises. The Lord will guide you continually for a good faster. Satisfy your soul in droughts. You're feeling empty and going nowhere. Strengthen your bones physically as well. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So if you turn your way, your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, you know, and call the Sabbath a delights. We know that we are not keeping the Sabbath. We keep the Lord's day. But we had to have the same principle, you know. I got such a shock when I did a study on the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. You know, because we had to deal with these Sabbath keepers in our area. So they're quite, uh, they're infiltrating all our churches and things like that. But I got a shock when I found out how many Christians considered the Lord's Day uh, and held it as the Lord's Day from the time of the apostles. And they separated the day unto the Lord. I loved that. And it gave me such a shock because I had a different theology. Every day is the Lord's day, brother. I come with that, you know, and all this kind of nonsense. But the minute that I made Sunday the Lord's day in my life, it's, it's a service of the Lord. I don't go to movies. I'm not going to places that I'm with my family. Or you know what I mean? I'm, I'm at every service if there's one. It's the Lord's day. My Christianity took a, a step up completely immediately after doing that. <coughs> if you call the Sabbath of the diet a holy day of the Lord, honourable. And shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 16, Moreover, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that may appear to men to be fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will 
reward you. And now my time's up, so I'm going to just skip a bit of this. So fasting is a very powerful weapon of our warfare. You know what I mean as well, that we can use in our arsenals. So I'm going to end off now because I know the time has run out. I love this um, poem or saying, you know, um, which says, I'm a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I've been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army. I'm enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, pepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards or candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I'm committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough for me to turn around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my needs. I'm more than a conqueror. I will always try. I can do all things to Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I'm a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? In Jesus' name. End with these scriptures. 1 John 4, 4. You are God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Amen. 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 Amen.